So we, uh, this morning, uh, is really our Christmas Sunday, since we can't have service next week. So uh, we'll be uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus today, and of course, uh, all throughout the year in our lives. Uh, but I want to look at a few, a couple of familiar passages uh, for Christmas this morning, and then we'll look at some other passages that you're probably familiar with, but maybe they're not uh, what, quote-unquote, traditional um, familiar uh, Christmas passages. So the title of this morning's message is Emmanuel, which of course we know is God with us. And um, we're so thankful and so grateful that uh, God did come to live with us and dwell with us. Let's first look first of all at Luke chapter 2 and um, verse 14. Well, I'll start with verse 12. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. I have to comment before we move on. Is that, you know... uh, in the east there, in that day and age, they had a tradition when a child was being born that they would actually bring out uh, minstrels and they would have come people play music to welcome the birth of the child. And so um, I think it's so awesome that God sort of like opened up the curtain to heaven and let us see the heavenly minstrels ushering in the birth of his son Jesus with music from a host of heaven. And what it must have been like to actually hear that music. And, uh, you know, people that have had uh, experiences where they've gotten glimpses of heaven and different things, and the music that they uh, sometimes come back with or that they talk about and so many other things are always uh, amazing to me. But verse 14 says "Glory that they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, Toward men, and you know when you're looking at the Bible, and uh, you know it's an ancient book, but it's relevant today. Uh, there's a rule for interpreting it called the law of first mentions, and you see like this first mention of Christ coming in the flesh at the moment says that the message that the angels had of this event that was occurring, of this king really that had been prophesied that would come, and in that day, not only in Christian uh, circles, not wouldn't be Christian circles, but in Jewish circles, in the Hebrew circles, not only there did they understand that a king was prophesied to come whom they knew as the Messiah, but even in the secular world, there was this Um, atmosphere in the air that we learn from the historians that there was this something happening at this season and at this time that there was this king, this new ruler that was going to affect the whole earth. When you read about it, you find like they're, they're like expecting all of this, even people that weren't people of God. And that's why you see like, uh, you know, because for years you read that and you see like, well, Herod was like a really insecure guy. And he, he probably was a real insecure guy. But also, like in the atmosphere, it was like you knew like new leadership is coming, okay? And something else is happening. So the angels come and they have this message saying, peace and goodwill to men. 
So like, you know, like God is initiating something. And remember on Mount Sinai, when uh, the Lord wanted to give the commandments and he gave them to Moses and the people said like, you know, before that, they're like, uh, okay, his voice was like a, a thunder. We don't want to hear him speak. Like, can, can, please, can we not hear it because it scares us? And you go up and you talk to him and you come and tell us what he said. And as, as a total side note, it's amazing, even as much as I know of the word of God and the word of faith, that you have what you say. And so they asked, and they said, please, we don't want you to talk to us. Because I look at that story and I think, oh, I kind of would like to be with Moses and watch the finger of God in fire, right, on the tablets of stone. And like, even if he only lets me see the backsides of him, I'd like to be that. Uh, But that's in church, Right? On Sunday, you're thinking all that. And sometimes on Monday, you're kind of like, oh man, you know, how much of this is real? You know, thoughts that come to everybody, or you get frustrated, or this or that, or whatever. So we like to put ourselves in the position of Moses, but sometimes we're in the position of the Hebrew children. And what we have to understand is, uh, according to our words, we are justified or we are condemned, and that life and death are in the power of our tongue. And so, you know, I know uh, my father in the faith, Brother Hagen, he, not to go into detail, but he had been uh, preaching one time and said something, and the Lord uh, talked to him about it, and he said, I'm going to judge you according to what you said, according to your words, what you've preached. And I'll tell you what, you think about that, especially as a preacher, but even at just living life, you're kind of like, oh, Maybe I'll pay attention to what I'm saying because <laughs> it really does affect. And um, sometimes we want to say things that maybe we shouldn't say. So uh, it's good to do what the Bible says and be slow to speak and quick to hear. Uh, and uh, that'll also, of course, serve your relationships well and your parenting well and everything else because it's really easy to, uh, to uh, jump to conclusions. In counseling people in pre-marriage or after they have been married, and that they uh, want some uh, counseling, ministry input. Uh, it's always amazing if someone comes up to me, one spouse, or even I had a situation where it was like two friends, uh, and you hear one person's side of the story or what's going on in their life, and um, you can know the other people, what you think is well, uh, the, the other spouse, and uh, one comes to you, and I've had to learn like to train myself like I keep my body under, I bring it into subjection to the word of God. Because you can really start to get upset at somebody by hearing one person's side of the story, especially when they're, and they're in a conflict. And uh, you learn real quick, like, because you, you, you go and then the spouse comes in and meets with you. Sometimes they're together. And all of a sudden, uh, you start to hear the other side and you're like, you want to look at the other person like if it was you, you want to look at them like, what are you thinking? <laughs> And so um, it is so important to be quick to hear and slow to speak and to get understanding. And, um, you know, sometimes we actually want to be so quick to uh, pray that we don't stop and listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. Uh, We don't stop and hear what the person's saying. And sometimes... uh, Immediate prayer is not always the best thing. Sometimes, what, sometimes people have been prayed for like for their healing like 50 times or 100 times. Uh, 
And what they need to hear is they need to hear the word. And, uh, you know, so that's all extra. I throw it in there, but it's good. So let's also look at Matthew, another familiar passage. Matthew chapter 1 and uh, verse 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or in other words, this is how it happened. Let me tell you about it. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Again, um, in the culture at that time, you would actually have an arranged marriage either through your parents and the parents of the person you were going to be arranged with, or they'd hire somebody to arrange a marriage. Many times, the marriages would actually be arranged at a very young age. So you would know, like growing up, okay, this is going to be the person that I'm, I'm going to marry. And then what happens is uh, they become uh, what we would call engagement. They actually call them husband and wife. They haven't consummated the, the relationship at this point. But for one year, they have a year-long engagement at this time. And uh, in that time period is where we show up right here. So they're espoused. And so during that one year, what we call engagement where she's espoused to him. If something happens, like someone gets pregnant out of wedlock um, or by somebody else, then uh, they can divorce. In order to separate it, they have to divorce. So it's like that strong in the culture at that time. So when we think about it, we're like, this is kind of strange. Like, I don't understand the big deal. Well, it was basically like, once you're engaged, you got a year. The wedding is one year later. The wedding is really a celebration of the whole event, and then you consummate the marriage. But you're like kind of technically married before that. And so that's why they'd have to get a divorce. So I'll just bring that in to help uh, make this come alive. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. I've read this for years, and as I was uh, preparing the last couple weeks for the message, <laughs> I, I was shocked as I read that, and maybe I think it might have shown up this week when I was, when I was meditating on it, and I thought, you know, it's interesting that uh, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So in other words, like, uh, I was thinking, like, did she just all of a sudden start to have a little bump, or was she, like, extra tired, or, like, how did they start to notice this? And, um, you know, uh, you start to show, and then the one that you're espoused to might be starts to get a little curious because you know what you have and have not, have and have not done. And so, but while she... Uh, then Joseph, her husband, verse 19, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded privately to put her away. In other words, Joseph is like, I see the natural signs of what occurred. Don't try to tell me something else occurred, all right? Because I know what occurred, and, uh, you know, don't try to lie to me. No, really, an angel appeared to me. No, don't lie. <laughs> you may think he was an angel, but he was not an angel, right? <laughs> Verse 20. I do this because it's so easy to, like, deify all of this where it's, like, not real. And I'm saying, like... Uh, you start to have these doubts, and he was a just man and a good man, and he's like, you know what? Even though you treated me wrong, even though you cheated on me, I'm going to do what's right concerning you. Uh, but while he thought on these things, <laughs> what is going on? I thought she was a good girl. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take Mary... Um, 
unto you for your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, uh, by the prophet, through the Lord, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin will be with child and will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, uh, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And he did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. We could just like finish and go home. Emmanuel, God with us. And then I want to look at John uh, chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. You know, John chapter 1, at the beginning there, talks about, at the beginning of John chapter 1, it talks about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything that was made was made through the Word. Let me just read that. I didn't put that in there. In the beginning was the Word, verse 1, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, now let's skip down uh, to John. Verse 14, 1 verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then Barclay's translation, so the word of God became a person and took upon his abode, took up in his abode in our being, full of grace and truth. And we looked with our own eyes upon his glory, like the glory which an only son receives from a father. I'll read that again. So the word of God becomes a person, or excuse me, so the word of God became a person and took up his abode in our being, full of grace and truth. And we looked with our own eyes upon his glory, glory like the glory which only a son receives from a father. And so here we see that Christ took on flesh and became as one of us. Now, you know, like, uh, you know, some, some people even in the time believed that um, Christ was just a phantom, like just a spirit. Um, what didn't physically exist, and so he just looked so real, and people thought he was real, and, and all of this, because the thinking at the time um, and the thinking really, uh, sometimes our thinking in the modern age is that the flesh is evil and the flesh is sinful, and so God couldn't have physical flesh because the flesh itself is evil. And so people even, um, 
would try to like rid themselves of their flesh and put their flesh down and like no good thing can come in the flesh and um, it's just all bad, 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 bad. But God came and he showed himself what he would be like and what he would do in physical human flesh form. In other words, you've been looking at human flesh with human power. Now I want to show you human flesh with my power. I want to show what I would show up like, manifest like, what things would happen if I was in human flesh. So the creator, Jesus Christ, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and created all things. The creator actually became part of his creation, which just blows my mind. So he created human flesh, and then he said, I'm going to actually take on that which I've created. And as much as he was divine, he was human. He had flesh, and really he still has flesh. And so he became forever one with mankind. And that's where we see like the tremendous love of God shown for us so that we know like, um, our weaknesses and our inabilities. And uh, you, can, you can go from, uh, you can think of anything. Like um, we're, uh, we helped uh, some friends uh, move this week. Dave and Jody moved. And you can see like some stuff, you really need two people to lift. Right? Because you're not strong enough in yourself. And even if you're like super strong and a lot stronger than me, um, you can still meet your limit. So you go out and pick up my truck and you'll find like, you know, you need help. You can't do it alone. And uh, so you're bound by the limitations of your own body. And then you find like, if you've got a lot going on, you have a lot of things that you're doing uh, that you're like, you know what, I'm just going to sleep less. And then you go and you sleep less. And then you're like, you know what, I still got more to do. So I'm going to sleep less. I'm going to sleep less. Well, at some point you come to the end of how much you can not sleep because you need to sleep. And you'll find that uh, your thinking is affected, that your spiritual life is affected, that um, your, of course your physical health is affected. And so you see like, oh, I run into this limitation. I mean, everybody ever say, like, if there was more than 24 hours in a day, right? Well, we could add 24 hours, more than 24 hours to your day, but the problem is you still would need to sleep. <laughs> and so you find like, oh, wait, I, I have this limitation. Or you have like, you know, maybe you have a really good paying job and you're making a lot of money, but you have uh, other things come up and you're like, well, I really, I need double what I'm getting now. But I'm working like 60 hours a week right now. And you have family or whatever, friends, you have commitments. And, you know, I used to, uh, I worked at a company in Tulsa and uh, some of the managers there, I think they made like 100, 120,000. And uh, somebody asked me one time, and uh, I think I was making about half them at that time. And they, somebody asked me, like, well, would you want to do that? And I said, well, no, because I work 40 hours a week, and they work 80. <laughs> and so they're making 120000 I'm making 60000 Why in the world? Why in the world would I want to, like, uh, not sleep, not see people do all this stuff for money? I mean, like, I make the same amount of money. Like, per hour, I make the same amount of money, so there's no point, <laughs> there's no point to do it. Uh, but the point is, like, you get in a position like that, and sure, you make a lot of money, 
And um, some people, you can work 40 hours and make that much. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm talking about you come to the end of yourself. And so you see, like, God looked down from heaven, and Jesus looked down and saw the condition of mankind. And Jesus, Colossians tells us, laid aside his mighty power and glory and became as one of us. One translation says, became as a mere man. In other words, the same limitations, uh, the same restrictions. Uh, you know, Jesus wasn't like all uh, physically powerful where he can go pick up my truck. You know, now yielding to the spirit of God after the anointing came on him, you can do marvelous and miraculous things, right? Have you ever heard of somebody like the, a truck fell on someone and someone went and picked up the truck themselves or a car? You, I've, you probably all read those stories. Um, and so there, you know, of course you have those instances. But Christ took on limited flesh, just like we have limited flesh, yet he was without sin. So he actually came and said, let me show you how it's done, and I'm not only going to show you how it's done, I know that you have trouble overcoming it because of the nature that's inside of you, the sin nature that you have from your father Adam, way back. And so then he fixed that in his death, burial, and resurrection and set us free from the dominion of darkness and from the dominion of sin and from the chains that would bind us. He completely set us free. The fact that God could become a human person and that he could enter this life and live the same life that we live, that eternity could actually appear in the limitations of time. That the creator could appear in creation in such a way that we could actually see him is amazing. And so he said, you know, I see your condition and I'm going to come down and I'm going to become one of you. I'm going to become as one of you and I am going to show you how God is. Because even as we mentioned earlier in the, in the message, the Hebrew children were afraid of God. And so they thought like, uh, you know, he scares us when he talks. We really don't want to hear him talk. Uh, we want to hear it like secondhand. We don't want to hear it firsthand uh, because, you know, God is powerful and, you know, God is full of vengeance is their thinking. And they don't, they don't want to like cross the Lord because they feel like they're going to, you know, be annihilated. And yet Jesus come and he said, I have come to show my father, to reveal my father, to show what God's like. And I don't do my own thing here. I only do what he tells me to do, and I only say what he tells me to say. And he said, uh, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So we know when God shows up on the scene of your difficulty, of your problem, of your life, he's coming with the same message, peace and goodwill. All right? So many times we'll have um, whatever challenge seems to come, and you have a message from God saying, okay, what does he say first? Peace. Like, let's have some peace and quiet here, right? <laughs> that kind as well. But like peace that passes your understanding. Like peace in the midst of the storm. Like you got everything raging around you. There's a bunch of stuff going on. But you have this um, unexplainable surety and steadfastness and solid ground like I like how uh, the translation of Philippians chapter 4 says, and uh, the peace of God will come in like a garrison of soldiers in a turbulent country and quiet you. 
So you got like a lot going on. Uh, I guarantee you if you're like in Aleppo or you're somewhere in Iraq and ISIS is there and then you have like a garrison of soldiers that floods in around you, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is great. Okay, so in different measures, all humankind, when Christ showed up on the earth, are in this like uh, shaky position and kind of like, what's going on? And the angel announces, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. In other words, you know, first thing I'm telling you is this peace that's unshakable, that's unbreakable, that goes beyond natural things from heaven now has shown up in the earth. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. So now I'm bringing peace, and I'm bringing you good things. It sounds a lot like uh, Jeremiah. The Lord said, I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope and a future of good and not evil. Because he's a God of love, and he loves us. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. So the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory uh, to the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word of God became a person and took up his abode in our being. In other words, abode is just where he's going to live. He decided to live in our being, full of grace and truth. And we looked with our own eyes upon his glory, Glory like the glory which an only son receives from a father. In closing, let's look at um, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Now there were in the church which was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, such as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. If you're like me, you'd be like, what in the world does that scripture have to do with any of this stuff? And so, do you remember the shepherds in the fields? They watched their flocks by night, and then uh, the angel appeared to them and uh, said, you know, go because unto you this day a Savior is born in the city of Bethlehem. And so uh, they saw this, and they went to worship the king. And they went to worship him and uh, to see him. Now, they actually believe that, um, you know, in that time, of course, you would offer a lamb in the temple and it had to be a spotless lamb. And they would af- offer him, I think it was like every week. And so they had certain shepherds that would actually shepherd the flocks for the temple. And it was not too far from Bethlehem. And so some scholars actually believe that those um, shepherds that were the ones that tended the sheep that they used for the sacrifice every week, in some cases, in some cases, excuse me, every day, those are the same shepherds that the angels appeared to and said, hey, 
This thing that you've been guarding these sheep and these lambs, let me show you the true lamb of God. Behold the true lamb of God. And so uh, the angel appeared to the shepherds. And I love that the angel appeared to the shepherds as well because the shepherds were not like the high class society. The shepherds were not like the sophisticated ones. In a lot of cases, the shepherds were even looked down upon. And so the angel comes and says, hey, I want you to be the first to know. Like there has been born the savior of the world up the hill, up in Bethlehem. So they went up the hill and they caught a glimpse of their salvation. And they caught a glimpse of this baby boy being born uh, to a virgin in a manger. So I don't care like how like separated you feel or lowly you feel or like the Lord doesn't care about me. The Lord doesn't look upon me. Look what he did with these shepherds. And so what a marvelous, marvelous thing. And so we see then the Magi come a few years later and uh, they come to worship the Lord. And so the reason I wanted to read Acts chapter 13, verse two, it says, and they ministered to, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, And I think one of the best ways that we can worship the Lord is not only through lifting our voices and lifting our hands, let uh, men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting, um, we learn in Timothy. And uh, John chapter 4 says, uh, Jesus talking to the woman at the well of Samaria said, let us worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we see as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost actually began to speak. Psalm 22 says that um, he inhabits the praises of his people. And so if you want to really draw near to God, one of the best ways is to actually minister to the Lord. And when we're ministering to the Lord, we actually are focused on him. And so the Lord said, you have not because you ask not. So when we come to him in prayer, he has asked us to ask him, right? Because sometimes you can, your prayer life can uh, diminish to the point where it's only asking the Lord for things or stuff or relationships or fix this problem or whatever. Um, but we can actually, he ministers to us all the time. We can actually minister to him. And one of the ways we do that is we actually um, confess who he is and what he's done, and we just focus on him, and we just come to tell him that we love him. So uh, just for maybe a minute, maybe two minutes, I want to stand, and we'll minister to the Lord for just a couple minutes, and then I'll pray, and we'll close out the service. But I encourage um, you this Christmas season just to stop and like gaze into the wonder of what God has done by making Jesus causing Jesus to come in the flesh as a little baby and poop and pee and cry and grow up and grow through all of the stuff of life, but as God would approach it with the ability of God and with the sinlessness which God is and with the love which God is and um, just like be in awe of what he's done. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, you can lift your hands if you'd like. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him. We thank you for his precious blood and his life. Father, thank you for the miracle that you did.
causing him to become flesh, to come in flesh, that we could see what you're like, that we could know you personally, that we could uh, see you in a tangible way. Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you for giving us the very breath of life, for giving us strength in our inward parts, for giving us hope, for giving us a future, for giving us peace that goes beyond our mind. Father, thank you for your peace. Thank you for a hope and a hope of glory. Father, for bringing us into your very family. Father, I thank you that he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world, that he that's in us is greater than any thought any attack of our mind, that he that's in us is greater than any financial problem, that he that's in us is greater than any mental problem, that he that's in us is greater than any relationship problem. Father, I thank you for coming to live inside of us, for opening up your world and your life to us. Thank you for giving us Zoe, your life, your nature, your ability. Father, I pray right now that you would fill each of us fresh and new with your spirit. Thank you for the Holy Ghost that infuses us with power and ability and understanding and reality that makes everything that you have given to us and through Jesus real to us. Father, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Father, thank you. I plead the blood of Jesus over everything that concerns our lives. Father, I thank you for protecting us that no accident will overtake us and no evil will befall us. Father, that you encompass around about with your angels, that you protect us, that you prompt us to do certain things and go to certain places and avoid other places. Father, I thank you for leading us and guiding us. Father, we just speak health into every body over every person that's listening. Father, we declare, uh, body, you come in line with the word of God. Thank you that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, we are healthy, we are strong. Father, I thank you that we're not under the power of darkness, but we are submitted unto your mighty hand. Father, you are so good, so wonderful, so merciful. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.